0: If there's any kind of magic in this world, it must be in the attempt of understanding someone, sharing something.
1: Let's get into it. I am Al Foster, and you are listening to the latest episode of Dimed Out. Before we get into this episode, which hopefully is going to be interesting, entertaining and insightful. I certainly know that it was for me when I sat down with Tanner and talked to him a few weeks ago. It was all of that and hopefully that's going to come across to you guys too. But before we get into this conversation, I just want to take a moment to say that I know times have been heartbreaking, I know times have been infuriating, I know right now it's like we're just circling around the nucleus of a shit storm, but I just want to say that I, I hope all of you listening, I hope you're doing as good as you can, and I mean that with the utmost sincerity, it's been awful of late, but hopefully you're doing as best as you can, hopefully you're doing okay, hopefully you're looking after yourself, you're looking after those around you, these are the things that are of the utmost importance. You know, these are the things that get us through. These are the things that move us forward. Looking after not just ourselves, but those around us. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully that, you know, hopefully you guys are doing as I say as best you can. This episode is going to be a little light in the dark, hopefully, and it's going to be something in which we all learn something. I know that I certainly did. This episode features the second guest to appear on Dime Out, and that is Tana Banana as I would say in my mixed mongrel accent. He refers to himself as Tanner Banana. I think that's how he pronounces it, but yeah. Tanner Banana, Tanner Banana. Let's call the whole thing off. Except let's not, because it's a really good conversation in which we talk about Tanner's project. And Tanner's project is just one that is deeply fascinating. Tanner has sold his house and is building a new home within a converted school bus. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into the hows, the whys this has happened, what has attracted him to off-the-grid living in the first place, what he's doing to the bus, what his plans are, and we're going to branch off into other subjects as well, like fruitarianism, which I'll be honest, raising my ignorant hand up here, I had no idea what this was. I, it's kind of obvious when you think about it, and if you think about it for just a second, you probably have a good I, I think—a good base idea, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that. Because this is, you know, as I outlined in the first episode, this is what I want this show to be, what I think it could be a window to different lifestyles and aspects of the human experience. And I think with this episode, we're definitely getting a bit of that, for sure. I trust. You're a guy that I've had in, in my peripheral for a, for a long time. And I've seen so many interesting things pop up on your your timeline, as it were, throughout the years. But recently, something caught my eye and I was just like, okay, what's happening there? And that thing is, as they say, not to bury the lead, you have bought yourself a school bus and you are in the process of uh, renovating it and basically fitting it out to be livable. What's happening there?
0: <laughs> What's happening there?
2: Uh well where to begin. Um well so I wanna uh, make it clear that I'm not uh renovating school bus from uh top to bottom. I purchased mm-hmm. a school bus mostly already renovated. Yeah. Um they they had converted it for Burning Man, so it wasn't meant to be lived on full time, but it was meant to be livable for a short period of time. And so the workload ahead of me is not um not that impressive. Um it's a uh, just a lot of time and a lot of just yeah, a lot of time and a lot of uh, a lot of just simple uh construction work. Just um it's fun actually figuring things out. Like um, like right now I'm working on uh figuring out the security system that I'll have on the bus and RVs are broken into crazy amount.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask about this. So, yeah, let's let's kind of jump into this while you brought it up what what is your plan for a security system?
2: Yeah, so um I'll be getting the uh TileTail security system. Um it's uh it's portable so it can go with you. Um hmm. it's got um uh, motion sensors, it's got an alarm, um blaring lights. It's got uh glass uh, shattering sensors. Um it's a service that for 35 bucks a month you can get uh immediate immediate text updates um wherever you are and for 45 bucks a month we'll call the police um for you. And um uh but yeah, so we start there, we start with a security system, but then um you know just having a security system is not the is not everything because mm-hmm. you know it takes time for cops to get there. So sure. you know, in and, and Two minutes someone can walk away with five thousand dollars of the stuff easy, yeah, and so we've got to make it hard to get in and um a lot of school buses are you don't need a key to enter enter the bus um you they make it hard to get in from the uh they make it easy to lock from the inside, but there's no um there's no way to get in from the outside if the bus is locked from the inside, and so yeah. they leave it unlocked to make it easy for them to get in, but then it leaves. Um, it leaves. Uh, it makes it easy for everyone to get in. So, we'll be putting um, a deadbolt to the bus door. Um, we'll be installing um, a uh, a uh, basically a back door into the bus, um, a secret hatch that's uh, locked with a key fob um, that's accessible from the outside, but you can't actually unlock it without um, without uh, the wireless key. And uh, and yeah, just finding a way to make it a pain in the ass to get in the bus, and also make it scary at the same time.
1: That's that's exactly what you want, though, right? Yeah, if if, you, if you're thinking about security, that's a dual purpose that you would want. You would want to make it a deterrent, and also for anybody that isn't deterred by the initial steps, if they're going to go ahead and do it, you wanna you wanna make it so that they actually can't get access. Yep. Exactly. so i want to uh, uh, because i do kind of want to talk more about like what you do have planned for it but i kind of think that the best thing to do is maybe walk it back a little bit before we get too ahead of ourselves so yeah let's do it how did you come to the conclusion that this is something that you want is this something you've wanted to do for a while and have been planning on doing or is this just something that has occurred recently
2: it's for a very long time and um for me, what I do is i um you know or what I did um, up until just recently is i imagined um, all right what would life how great would life be if i didn't have to worry about paying electricity bills? how mm-hmm. great would life be if there was no rent? how great would life be if um, there was no mortgage no h o a um how great would life be um, if there was if I uh, didn't have this mountain of debt on me um that I had, mm-hmm. and um then I said, all right, now let's imagine just how great that is, and what am I willing to give up to get to that point point? Mm-hmm. and um you know the answer is I'm willing to give up quite a lot and uh to get to that point, so I sold my home um I used um the sale of my uh, my condo to pay off um all of my debt, except my student loan debt, mm-hmm. and um, I then I used uh, about half of the remainder to get this uh, school bus and then I'm uh, currently renovating it, outfitting mm-hmm. it with a lot of solar equipment um, and uh, which is incredibly fun and um, but yeah, so for me it's it's been a, a goal of mine to simplify for a very long time, and the reason for a bus is not necess- you don't necessarily need a school bus to, to simplify. Um but I enjoy going camping. Um, I enjoy hanging out with friends. And so if I could have a home that also doubles as a camper that I can go, you know, to the Midwest my buds in at any time,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, that's fantastic. Like that's serves two purposes in, you know, two birds, one stone. Um how I see that.
1: So it, it it kind of stems like I actually really like where you coming from? From the, the sort of origin point of this, the, the idea that life itself—and I think this is something that not a lot of people really kind of sort of uh, ruminate on too much. I mean, it may be a passing thought, but not a lot of people really think about the both the the, the problems, the, the the stresses, the challenges, but also like the rewards and the fulfilment. That kind of detaching yourself away from basically the, the the monetary oppressed sort of society we live in um yep. and that seems to be kind of like where you are coming from the idea of obviously not having the stress of um debt but kind of just not being dictated to specifically by institutions that primarily run on on monetary values
2: yep exactly speaking my language
1: yeah it's like it is extremely appealing and you know i've i've thought about like how good it would be for me it seems like such a challenge to undertake though and it seems like such an adjustment i couldn't possibly do it now because because I'm, I'm married and, and i don't think my wife would go for it but um you never yeah. say never well no this is true you never know um but but like is there anything in particular that just kind of went from the idea to okay this is this is definitely something i want to do now is there something that like that happened that occurred that just kind of took it from thought to practicality to rather than just sort of as a ruminating on the idea of oh this would be this would be a great way to live a great sense of existence to being like this is this is not what i want to do but need to do and i make an emphasis on the need because there is a huge difference, which I think a lot of people tend to gloss over. But, yeah, was there anything that sort of really sort of sparked the decision to, to make it a decision?
2: I think the decision, you know, was made probably four or five years ago when I started ruminating on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: it's just, uh, you know, you, you ruminate on things until you no longer ruminate on them. and um, And, yeah, so, you know, for me, like, this is a... A big, giant, massive change. You can't really. There's no real knowing how something is going to turn out until you you just take a leap of faith. And sure. you know, no amount of ruminating is going to get you to take a leap of faith. You just got to do it. And so for me, it was just the the timing. um Like to get kind of personal. Um, you know, I uh, my roommate and I. Um, you know, we're still friends, but we just kind of we kind of fell. Um, fell apart while living in the same
0: mm-hmm. in the
2: same home and um it got to the point i guess where it became like if i were to sell my uh my condo three years ago you know i would have felt like an asshole you know picking my roommate yeah um, out early my friend my buddy you know
0: mm-hmm. um
2: so uh, having that um uh that separation between us um made it easier to take that that leap
1: yeah i I can see that because you don't have the the well i don't want to say the the burden but you don't have like the the guilt of as you say like if i wanted to do this this is what i would have to do to make it happen i'd have to kick Mm -hmm. somebody that i i I like and care about out of their home and sort of create a sort of fissure between us um whereas if you don't have that situation uh it makes it easier because you just kind of you know you've only got yourself sort of accountable for your decisions i guess exactly mm. okay so so the idea i'm guessing was was always to be throwing yourself into off the grid living was it always a school bus or was that just like a, an opportune thing that came along and was just like this would be perfect
2: uh the school bus uh, was a couple of years ago i've been i've been in the tiny homes um and off-grid living generally since uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, buddy, Zach, who had a tiny home company, um, Project Show over in North Carolina, um, he got me into the idea. And then uh, over time, just, you know, the YouTube algorithm, um, it just started showcasing school bus tiny homes. I was like, huh, that's where your ad. And, you know, like, let's live in the school bus. Like, why not? Like, that's so just wild and out there and cool. Like. Yeah at the end of the bus, who cares if it's, you know, it's a recept- receptacle you live in, as long as it's function. If, if it functions as a home, you know, the, the bus feature I feel is an added bonus. And so it, it's also um, speaking financially. um, Like I, after selling my condo, I wouldn't have been able to um, pay off um, all of that debt that I did if I had went the standard um, tiny home route. Buses are super cheap. You can find, um, like converted at like buses that are already converted anywhere from five thousand to twenty thousand dollars, and then way higher than that. Um, if you really want to get uh, high end, but uh, I bought this bus mostly converted for eighty five hundred bucks. And, um, a tiny home, uh, you know, I would have I probably had to, had to have either uh, taken out a loan, um, to get one. Uh, built or um or I probably would have had to just you know not have any money left over after the sale of my house. They're more expensive. Buses are are cheaper and in my mind they function just as well and they can also move.
1: So just to, just to clarify the presumably obvious but because I've heard the phrase tiny home and I think I may have seen images of them but I'm not entirely sure. Is it just exactly what it sounds like? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, is it a singular room or is
0: it a couple? Um,
2: it it depends. It's more more the the size of the space than yeah. the actual amount of rooms that are in the home. Like you can put up just some plywood, you know, and uh just run it straight through and hey, now it's now it's a uh, um there's two bedrooms in that tiny home. Um, oh, yeah,
1: okay, yeah. Like I'm I'm just having a quick they, Google now. I see, they, yeah.
2: They can't really be appraised like if you were to if you were to sell um you know yeah how does that how does that work yeah it's it's um yeah you it doesn't get appraised like a regular house so it's up to the the tiny house company to put whatever price they want to on it um or you as the seller of the tiny home to say hey this is how i'm going to sell it It, it'll have four one by one rooms (laughs) if uh you know um so yeah there's a not a not a ton of uh, regulation um, in that, but a big part of that is because tiny homes are so hard to hook up to the grid to begin with. Um, it's expensive to hook up a tiny home to the grid
1: uh, on on the topic of hooking up to the grid how How, how exactly are you going to work with electricity? Is it all going to be run off off the battery off of the bus? Or are you gonna have like generate like this is this is the thing, this is why I need you on because my ignorance is is just palpable. Um is it gonna <laughs> be off a of battery or are you gonna have like a generator running?
2: Um it's gonna be off of uh off of well both. I'm gonna have a okay. uh, I've got a solar I've got a solar power generator. Ah yeah um, on order and um I'm also gonna get a battery. There's a couple ones I'm deciding between between right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um I'm even go with the Giandale, um battery, um, but uh, but yeah. So we'll have both. We'll have um, a battery and a solar generator. Um, I've also got a ton of power banks, which I refer to as energy cells. I like to feel like I'm in a video game.
0: Um,
2: and uh, but uh, it's actually um, uh, so right now I don't have the generator or the um, or the battery just yet. So I'm running off of um those uh energy cells, and so um i've got a, a solar panel um table that I got from a uh, ghost sun and uh so I put that out and that charges a a couple of the energy cells that I have and then those um can can charge uh the rest they can also um run my fridge um they can run my solar cooker in the evening when there's no when there's no light out and mm. uh takes care of the I also have, have um a solar panel in my window which is uh um charging up uh one of my lamps right now and uh so yeah right now we're kind of just uh it feels like a video game charging and recharging all these different things and figuring out systems but it's like it's 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 kind of fun and um and in the case of emergency like let's say down the line it's winter um, and there's days without sun um having multiple energy cells i can um, prioritize like I have one that I use for my Apple Watch and my AirPods. Those mm-hmm. are I'm considering non-essential items in case of emergency. So I would say, all right, now I have um, five thousand extra milliamp hours. Um, I can go towards my phone. And yeah, so it's easy to figure out um, my needs and adjust accordingly as the weather as the weather changes.
1: So you really um, are thinking that far ahead to the point where you're sort of prioritizing um, energy source yeah i suppose i I think when you want to take something of this magnitude and and you plan on making this your life i suppose you really have to have foresight and kind of look at details that a lot of people may sort of skim over
2: yep it's also i can um you know i'm gonna have a wood burning stove instead of a heater and the reason for that is because you know let's say it's up in Oregon and it's freezing and you know um no solar power gotta get heat somehow and uh um wood-burning stove required no electricity and so that can keep me um alive and warm
1: that's a good point so you are you you're taking into consideration different different climates as well because i was going to say like at at times is is it going to be is it going to be insulated or or heated enough for you to to kind of be able to to be comfortable through through colder climates
2: yeah so the bus right now is uh insulated on the walls and the floors the ceiling Mm -hmm. um isn't insulated, um but i don't think from my my experience in the bus so far and i've been living in it for about a week now
0: mm-hmm.
2: um it's,
0: oh so you you are actually in there now yeah yeah okay
2: yep i am yeah and uh yeah um but uh but yeah it is definitely um very well insulated so with with the
1: electricity electricity so how how are you going to do for 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 water like running water and such
2: yeah so um the property I'll be staying on has a um, has a running stream. It's a a protected oh. salmon habitat, mm-hmm. actually. And um, so, um, the company that I've gotten most of my solar equipment from, GoSun, they've got a uh, a mini-go campaign right now for a a water filter and um, a solar powered water filtration unit. And um, so, I'll just go down the stream and uh, filter my water um, there during the summer, and then. During the winter, I'll collect rainwater and then filter that. So
1: that actually kind of leads me into to something else I was going to ask. So is is the plan once you've got um once the bus is is all ready and and well I mean yeah once you once you've got it basically finished finished up to the to the point that you want it is this, is it going to be a static position or is this something that you are going to continuously travel? I presume that you know for for work purposes you're kind of going to want to stay. Static for the most part
2: yeah this um I imagine taking this out between four to six times a year and uh staying static for the most part um but uh ideally down the line, like we're talking three four years, and what I'd like to do is I'd like to find a um find a uh used ambulance um for sale and uh, convert that into a uh a uh, a tiny home and then that can be. A, uh, a little travel, little travel home, you have the big bus staying stationary and then the Go little ambulance. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a few years down the line after I've got any of the experience working on this thing. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm sure like by
1: the time you finish, you will you will have quite a bit of experience getting yep. out use vehicles is this something that you you were learning a lot of this stuff on the fly and that you're having to sort of really dive into territories that you've you've no experience in before in terms of of renovating and and applying stuff to the bus
2: um yes and no like uh i've this is actually my first vehicle um oh, okay. to, to begin with and so on the mechanical side of things um virtually everything i learn is new <laughs> um, but uh in terms of um uh utilizing the space um effectively, you know I've been the manager of a coffee shop mm-hmm. or a couple coffee shops actually and um one of the things you do when you um, take over is you start to organize a store um, to make it you know operate better yep. and uh, more efficiently
1: so you're, you're taking that experience that you've had from a managerial capacity and and, and you as into this you're sort of applying it into this as, as you have done in the past
2: we exactly like like I've spent I've spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours moving things around mm-hmm. at, at various coffee shops and plugging plugging things in trying different places you know discovering new nooks and crannies um and uh and yeah it's just drawing on experience I've had there um but on like I said the me- mechanical side of things things everything is new
1: but that's got to be kind of exciting though right because you know the, the yeah. fact that you have this this big sort of consuming project and I mean it's daunting because it's new and because in certain areas you may feel like I'm a little bit out of my depth at first or what have you but by kind of just as you say stop thinking about it and actually doing it as you've done with the bus itself is it's the best way to from my experience the best way to learn is to just just dive in and sometimes you make mistakes as you're doing it but at the yep. same time you learn from those mistakes and then you kind of just that's how I tend to learn best I'm not a good theoretical learner I've never been good at like absorbing stuff from textbooks I'm better if I just throw myself in make a bit of a mess and then as I clean up I'm like oh okay so this is what I did wrong and this is how you move forward I guess a lot of that is is what's happening from like a mechanical standpoint
2: yeah like I I'm a, um yeah I'm getting a, a mechanic out here um well the, f- the first step is to find a mechanic and it's the fun funniest thing so buses are a pain in the um <laughs> pain in the butt because um most mechanics that work on buses specifically mm-hmm. they work um for like uh companies like so if they'll, they're employed by like bus fleets and yep. so they don't service individuals and, um, you know, this bus, like most buses out there are, is powered by diesel. And, um, and because of that, um, your average car mechanic that works on gasoline is not going to, well, what I've learned is that they won't have any clue what to do with the bus. Um, however, um, mechanics who work on semi-trucks, um, will know, um, cause semi-trucks have a very similar frame, use the same engines, same, uh, diesel fuel, um, and uh um semi truck uh mechanics are also uh mobile um because when a semi semi truck breaks down um you know it's often on a highway and you can't just tow a semi truck mm-hmm. and so um and uh so that's my my next uh my next task is to find a a semi truck mechanic and uh, get them out here to take a look at my bus and basically tell me what's up
1: nice um we should also at this point um because i don't think we've actually introduced the bus and its its glorious name at this point
0: we have um, not no
1: no true. do you would, you would you like to introduce people to to the bus and its formal identity
2: yes the bus and its formal their formal identity um, <laughs> is uh is ziggy star bus and you didn't uh, you named, didn't
1: name the bus right this is this is an inherited I did not, name.
2: i i wish i could take credit for the name <laughs> i wish i could but uh but yeah, the uh um, the uh the bus's former owner had David Bowie's uh, giant eye painted on the back of the bus. And so you're driving down the down the freeway at fifty miles per hour, people behind you angry, and you're staring them down <laughs> with a Eastard eye.
1: That's pretty cool.
2: Is it's it still it's amazing. There? Like it's still there, yep.
1: I take it you're just gonna keep it there?
2: Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm a getting rid of that. Absolutely not. No. Like even even the cool thing is uh the, the artist, um uh here, let me go ahead and um read her name. I don't wanna mess it up, but it is on the back of the bus. Okay. Give her a shout out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Muck Rock. Muck um, is Yep yeah, is her Instagram. Um but uh but yeah, Ashley Muck is her name, and she's the one who did the art on the bus. And uh, yeah, it is incredible. holy shit, it is hot outside. <laughs> like I thought it was hot in the bus. Like I'm actually impressed at how 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 cool. Like my little <laughs> fan with the windows is keeping it. Holy shit, it's hot out there. Damn, dude. Oh.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, how did so this is this is another question I have. How exactly did you acquire the bus? Is this uh, was it just by chance? Did you know someone um, who put you onto this? Did you go hunting for, for buses? How, how exactly did Ziggy Starbus end up in your life?
2: Yeah, I, I went bus hunting. Well, so I, I um, was uh, just keeping an eye on um, uh, different uh, schooly for sale Facebook groups. And all the buses that I was interested in, they were on the other side of the country, mm-hmm. like so in, in Florida, um, or they were too expensive if they yeah. were local. And, um, so I just shot out a message to one of the Facebook groups. Hey, um, if anyone has a schoolie for sale in uh, California or surrounding States for $20,000 and it has, it's has features X, Y, and Z. Um, uh, let me know. And then, um, uh, one person, um, wrote back that, uh, with a link to, um, a Craigslist post for her bus, um, Ziggy Bus, And, uh, for 8500 dollars and um then uh she was cool instantly, and we had like just an instant uh rapport um and uh Ziggy was still even in California um I'm in northern California she was in southern California the other mm-hmm. side um and so there was there was no uh there was no visiting Ziggy before the purchase and so it was kind of like a, another leap of faith um but uh when I you know made this purchase, because she wanted she wanted to get paid for the bus before she um took it off the market so it made sense but and,
1: so it was kind of it was kind of a case of of, of actively seeking and then just the right time right vehicle, yeah sort of
2: right time right vehicle yeah she's like like the person that sold it to me she was just so cool like i i felt the vibe that she was not going to screw me over like it mm-hmm. was just it was just clear and um you know i didn't know i knew nothing about vehicles you know it's like what. Looking back, it was probably a foolish thing for me to do to just take a leap of faith on something I know absolutely nothing about, Mm -hmm. but it just, it just felt right. Like, and um, that's the best way I can, I can describe it. And so I, I wrote her the 8,500 bucks and then she met me halfway uh, with the bus and then uh, we drove with the rest of the the other half.
1: We talked about the the desire to kind of go into, into off-grid living and and sort of live the schooly life as it were being uh, a monetary-based thing. But you also strike me as a very ethical dude as well in terms of like the the way that you live. Because I know that, um, and we'll, we'll kind of tap into this in a minute, but you were a fruitarian for a time period. And I, I believe, are you still vegan?
2: I am still vegan, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you, yeah, you've always struck me as a sort of a very ethical living kind of dude. And that kind of seems to be, to me, at least part of the reason for, for your decision to do this, to kind of just cut away and, and go off-grid living is is that a fair assessment like is that a part of, uh, of the reasons for it
2: yes and no um but i don't, i only say no because i don't like to think of myself um as an ethical dude like because um uh i think it's important that we keep our egos in check and i think it's important that we understand um that uh, uh the role that luck um, can play in someone's quality of life and what their Mm-hmm. their ability to do certain things and so For sure. if i go if i go around and i'm like oh yeah i'm so good because i'm doing this um then that's i don't think that's good at all i think that that would be me you know
1: oh yeah yeah it, it, don't get me wrong i've I've never I've, i don't mean that in the sense that I, I i feel like um you are somebody that rubs other people's noses in it based on on how you're, you're not somebody and you've never given me this impression of using the, your lifestyle choices as a measuring stick because to be honest, uh, I, I have no time for people that do that. Um, and if, if I got the even slightest smidge of, of inclination that's what you were like or that was the type of person, we wouldn't be talking because I cannot abide people who basically use certain uh, lifestyle choices and, and ways of behavior as as measuring stakes of, of morality against other people. Um yep. so that's not what I, when I say you're an ethical dude i don't mean it in that sense it just meant that you were you were conscious but not yes. um preaching you know you were yes. just living the life that you want to and and feel benefits you and and the, you know your surroundings, but you're not like shoving it down people's face, saying you know this is how you need yeah. to do it
2: and i I'm not saying you were suggesting that like i i i understand that but like i'm just I'm just letting you know the my own thought process on why i don't even really entertain that uh that discussion like um Mm -hmm. because with myself because it's it's i feel it's easy to start um thinking thinking you're all that if you start taking if you start going down that path and so i would just rather not i just want to do the best i can for myself and the people around me and
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um in the best way i know how and uh you know, a lot of people have disagreements um, with uh, uh, what's the best way to do things, uh, and uh, I'm not—I'm not the arbiter of that.
1: <laughs> no, of course, unfortunately, you're always going to get people, and I imagine that uh, even this far into your journey, so far with Ziggy, that you—you've maybe come across, and I hope it's not the case because uh, you know, I—I I just. We don't need any more of this. But I imagine just because it is different and people are afraid of different, that you may have come into some sort of even at best sort of casual, like passive-aggressive resistance from some
2: people. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's that, that 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 that's nothing new to for for me. I I get passive-aggressive resistance from some people. Well, not during the pandemic when I'm not trying make people, but <laughs> yeah. But every day of my non-pandemic life is uh, passive, aggressive resistance. So it's nothing, nothing new.
1: Why? Why do you think it. that is? Do you do you think it is? It simply boils down to the fact that people are afraid of
0: of what's different, or do you think it runs um, a little bit deeper than that?
2: I, I think um, maybe a little bit of both. Uh-huh. Um, I think that um, like a, a very long time ago, uh, well, not a very long time ago. Like we're talking uh five years ago um I took a vow of honesty just I found myself um telling a lot of a lot of little lies Mm -hmm. that made no sense in retrospect why am I telling these these lies and um even little lies turn into big giant lies because you have to cover them up because you don't want them to being a liar and Mm -hmm. so it just got to the point where I was like all right I'm going to tell I'm going to just tell the truth in uh in every instance I'm not going to lie um for any reason um, and, uh, and then kind of taking on, taking on that, um, you know, being, being honest, I try not to be brutally honest, but, um, unintentionally I am every now and again, like it's, I, I'm so, I'm, I'm I so casually just say what's on my mind that, uh, that I, I say things that other people find, you know, a bit radical every now and again. And, mm-hmm. um. But the funny thing is, like, if you were to go on my Facebook page and go down, all my friends, the vast majority of them um, disagree with me on most things. Like I've gotten into, um, I've gotten into fights with many of them, um, but they all, they all know um, know that I'm just uh, telling the truth. You know, Even if they disagree with me, they trust me, and so they stick around. Yeah, it's just a little niche I've carved out for myself.
1: I think I, you tend to find that with, with uh, a lot of people, they can be very reactionary to, to stuff, and and sometimes, in um, fact, maybe a lot of the time, it's because they're hearing things that they necessarily don't want to admit or confront themselves, um, and so because somebody else is doing it, it's it's almost like you're breaking the unspoken rule of oh, we don't talk about that or we don't say that, yeah. even though they may have very well been thinking about it for a long time themselves. Yep, that's very true. So, I mean, it sucks that you you <laughs> that you've you've, <laughs> you've felt like passive aggressive resistance, but I, I guess you, just, it seems like you're kind of used to it, and it's just like water off a duck's back at this point. Where you just seem oh. accepting that uh, yeah, okay, they they just don't get it, and that's it. And and are you at a point where like, you you just have no interest in trying to convince them. You just. Well,
2: I watched um arnold uh, Schwarzenegger's um, commencement address he gave uh recently um and uh he um in uh, that commencement address he talked about um we talked about how how the mind is a lot is is just like a muscle um, it requires resistance to grow
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um so the the more resistance um you know one one receives in their their lives for their choices the stronger they can become and um you know i'm not saying i'm some i'm not saying i'm strong or anything but um certainly resistance has made me um a uh a stronger individual um mm-hmm. more confident in myself and my um and my abilities like yeah I, I don't i don't see resistance as a a bad thing i see it kind of as a a necessary thing to uh keep me focused and centered now when
1: you talk about resistance you, are you talking about just simply for example walking away from a conversation that you just feel is is futile to even enter or or like walking away from negative aspects or elements that you encounter because you just don't want to expend your energy in, into that or you you're talking about resistance in a different form
2: i'm talking about resistance as in uh a different form I guess. Um okay. uh, accepting resistance and um and fighting back, you know, making your case. Mm-hmm. And um when you do that, as I do um with uh with uh the schoolie um you know the, the more you repeat yourself and the more you explain your ideas and the more you're forced to explain your ideas, mm-hmm. the better you get at explaining your ideas. And um and sure. it's uh and so I see you know, the passive aggressive resistance, um, because that's what we're calling it. I just see that (laughs) as, um, it's motivation for me to keep fighting on. You know, I don't, I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as, you know, it's, it's something very natural that's very human that we all have to, uh, endure.
1: Yeah no I, I i totally get where you're coming from and and you you've you've struck me for for a while as as a guy that isn't afraid to stand his ground when you believe in something um and and you know, if, you know correct me if I'm wrong, but you also strike me as somebody that isn't afraid to ruffle feathers from time to time.
2: I'm not going to correct you there
1: <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling I was correct on that one, but I just wanted to leave the door open just in case um uh, what what is it is, is that just because like where does that stem from do you think exactly that 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 sense of of like standing standing your ground and and ruffling feathers from time to time is is it just a
0: case of of opposing negative attitudes
2: um no it's uh um i think it goes back to that um uh, that vow of honesty I told you about. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of a lot of the times, you know, I would find myself lying, it would be to get out of get out of an argument. Um, you know, make that some excuse. Um even if it's not even if the excuse isn't real. Um and uh, um taking that away, that ability to tell a little white lie, um makes it uh it makes it harder makes it harder to escape situations where you have to have to engage. Mm-hmm. Um so I, you know, I, I think that uh all actions, um, you know, there's a reaction to every action. Um and nothing nothing is really self uh contained. And, and um so yeah, everything I've done um you know to uh alter my uh, not alter but develop my personality mm-hmm. um, over the past uh 5 years and you know even longer than that if you want to like I've I've always I guess um like been a bit of a fighter like mm-hmm. I've uh um I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was uh 6 and um okay. or maybe may, maybe 7 I think no I was I was 6 yeah I was 6 years old um diagnosed with epilepsy and um Without fail, every single day, I fought my mother on uh, on taking my pills. I did not want to take those damn pills um, and uh, um, it was a, a constant struggle um, for her because she you know't want, didn't want me to die as her child yeah. um, didn't want me to uh, have a seizure and all that and um, so i was not I was not an easy easy child and um, and so I guess if you want to prescribe my attitude, if you want to call it that to anything. It could be my epilepsy diagnosis and uh, my rejection of that from an early age, but mm-hmm. um, but as far as standing my ground, um, I that's a standing my ground like to the very end. That's more of a new thing to me, and I think that's more related to you know if I can't find a way to escape without lying, well, I'm not going to escape. Do you, is,
1: so the, the the vow of honesty and, and that sort of commitment to to that mentality is is that more as a as a way of being um, more honest to yourself and and finding a sense of fulfillment by avoiding lies whenever possible. Basically, yeah.
2: yeah. And um, but uh, you know when like I have um, friends that aren't great friends that trust me more than their own great friends. Um, mm-hmm. just because of uh, who I am and how I've been. And, um, you know, that's, that's become a va- very, very valuable thing in my life. And I don't want to, um, you know, it's it's easy to keep on not lying, um, you know, because it's something I don't want to give up.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it, as as redundant as it may sound on the surface, it can be hard to tell the truth um, because there's more consequences, I, I, I guess, sometimes. Um, but it seems mm-hmm. like you've found more fulfillment. Just in general, since you've you've decided to to take this vow of honesty,
2: yeah, absolutely, no question there.
1: All right,
2: um, I kind of wanted to dip back
1: into something I touched on briefly, and that's um, your your stint, because I believe you're not a fruitarian anymore, but you were at one point for a period of time, right? Yep. Okay, so how? So first of all, again, to sort of just extrapolate on on the presumably obvious, fruitarian is is a dietary uh would you refer to it as it a lifestyle?
2: Back when I was a vegetarian, I called it a lifestyle. So okay. I think I I think uh you know it's one of those things where um it's a life lifestyle if you're in it and it's mm-hmm. a diet if you're not.
1: This is a good way of putting it, actually, yeah.
2: I got into that. Yeah, I was gonna say, how did you get into that? I've been vegetarian uh for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And you can put vegetarian in, in a, a quotes there because <laughs> um there was I was a vegetarian that didn't eat I don't think I ate a single vegetable. Like I not a one. Like my, my diet was, was mostly, um, sugar. Like I, I ate cake, I ate Oreos, I ate Cadbury cream eggs. Um, I ate the odd breakfast burrito with, which was just, um, uh, tortilla shell and, uh, eggs and, um, uh, fake meat. And, uh, um, like that was it. So I was, I could barely be called, I didn't didn't eat any real meat. So technically vegetarian, but, um, (laughs) But I was, I was super, super, super unhealthy. I was, um, very depressed Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I needed to make a, uh, I knew that I needed to make a change in my life. And, um, I knew that at one point Steve Jobs had been a fruitarian at the time I looked up to Steve Jobs and I was like, well, you know, it worked out for him. How about I give it a shot? Um, I didn't, I didn't look, look it up. Right. I didn't, uh, know it entailed, um, I just started eating fruit. Um, and uh, so that was just another one of those like leaps of faith. And, uh, but I kid you not, like my, like everything about me um,
0: was boosted
2: um, the, uh, the next day. And, uh, and yeah. Um,
1: Do you mean like in terms of physical or just or like mental or both? Like you just felt like an overall shift occurred?
2: Um, I both like phys- physically, I felt a massive shift. Like, I had so much energy. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like I felt like superhuman. Uh, mentally, I was uh, no longer depressed. Like, just it went away just like that. I was so happy. Mm. Um, just just eating fruit. And, um, so I kept doing it. And then I finally eventually started doing research and I found, um, uh, the website, um, called The Fruitarian. And uh, this guy, Michael Arnstein, he was an um, ultra marathon runner, fruitarian. And so he would run uh, 100 mile uh, distances. And um, I had so much energy eating only fruit, I needed a way to get rid of that. And so I started running,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, following his lead. And then went to um, the Woodstock Fruit Festival. And I met him in person and learned a bunch of things and became really jazzed with lifestyle. And uh, then I started up my own business I moved to North Carolina um and uh, the business was called Fruit Run and it was a non um designed around organizing five-day runs to get fruits and vegetables into uh food deserts in North Carolina mm. and um I uh, did that executive director for a little while um got some attention and uh then um I moved to Costa Rica to start up a uh, small business teaching kids entrepreneurial skills um and uh that turned out to be a gigantic mistake on my part um and, why, uh, why is
1: that why what what, what occurred for you to, to
0: contemplate it as, as a mistake
2: um well uh i was um Financially, it was a mistake. Uh, it was it was mistaken every every which way. Like it, it was another one of those leaps of faith. So I got a call from this guy in in, uh, in Canada. I'm not going to name his name, but he said, no, "Hi, sure. I'm I'm blank." Um, and uh, would you, you know, I've seen the stuff you do. Would you like to move to Costa Rica and teach his entrepreneur, entrepreneurial skills? And um I was like, "Yes, of course." Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, um, my peers around me who actually um didn't know the guy but knew people who knew the guy um were like this is kind of sketch you know yeah recommend against it and i was like no you know like minus that and going to costa rica um and uh and uh yeah um i was uh i was used um and i found myself uh homeless in a uh, a foreign country um, and uh uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very fun. Yeah. Um, let's just uh put it that way. Um and mm-hmm. uh I uh emailed my mom and um asked her if she could buy me a plane ticket home mm-hmm. and uh and she did. And so then I came home and um got a job at Starbucks and uh while at Starbucks I worked um I usually work seven days a week, um uh multiple shifts, um on uh, many days, um, every week and, uh, fruit has like a ripening schedule and my, my star, my schedule at Starbucks was so chaotic that, um, the, its schedule did not mesh well with the fruits ripening schedule. And so I had to stop, um, Mm -hmm. being a fruitarian, um, you know, the, the fruit was, um, yeah, just not, I couldn't. So yeah, I, I just became a vegan and I've been became just I've been a vegan since. Um I've tried to get back into into it every now and again, but mm-hmm. um it's uh, it's one of those things it's hard to to do that second week of faith all over again. Like I don't I honestly don't think that I will. I was um, going to say... I think about it every now and
1: again. Yeah. Do you, do you think that there's, there's kind of like a, maybe a mental block in there? Because, you know, obviously it's, it's done wonders for you. It's, it's taken you out of your depression. It's given you energy. It's kind of given you a sort of resurgence in, in life, it seems. But it's also kind of led to a point in which, you know, obviously things didn't go particularly well. Um, and do you, do you think there's sort of like lingering memories attached to it? And that's why it's hard to get back into fruitarianism.
2: Probably, you know, mm-hmm. most likely, yes, but I also don't it's not something um that I consciously think about yeah. that often, so if there is a mental block there, it's more in the back of my mind, sure, but uh but yeah i uh um I've got only only good memories of being a vegetarian, um what well, is good um, of, of the lifestyle yeah good?
1: well I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. Um, in, in terms of the lifestyle, for those of you who, who may be wondering, uh, what exactly is a day like in, in the life of a fruitarian? Like, do you, and, and again, this is my ignorance on parade here, but do you comprise meals based around fruit or is it just like little and often consistently throughout the day?
2: Um, it was, um, not, not, uh, not little and often, a lot and often consistently throughout the day. Like, mm-hmm i think like um imagine um just to use use one one single fruit um the banana um like i i would i would go on i would go on a a banana's only diet um for a month every now and again as like a so – it was called banana island and um basically like a, a kind of like a uh a, a reset um but um it was I ate basically thirty bananas a day every single day for thirty days and that came out somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, three thousand calories um, worth of uh, bananas every day and mm-hmm. so um, so to think about one banana as a serving um, that's thirty servings of uh, food in a day sure. or you can do like fifteen servings of two um but yeah um or, you know, a lot of fruit, like not a lot of fruit a lot of the time and uh, not, not, not small portions. Like I would, I would literally like there's, there's video, I think on YouTube, um, I think it's on YouTube of uh, me doing a, a, a smoothie, which is just 15 bananas blended together. Wow. Like that was a meal.
1: I gotta ask: Is is that actually is that like is this enough sustenance in there uh, with that amount of bananas? Are you getting all the necessary um, sort of nutrients that you need? And and also, is is that actually good for inside? Is that because that's like a lot of concentrated banana?
2: <laughs> it, it is a lot of concentrated banana, but um, yeah, but uh, but no, it. Um, uh, if you actually were to uh, look up. Um, the uh um the nutrition facts mm-hmm. of a single banana you would find that it has um at least some of some percentage of everything you need except vitamin d um and uh um and uh, and b12 um those would be the two that uh you'd be missing
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and so um just um increase the amount of uh banana and then you increase the amount of the percentage of your daily value that you're getting for each of those things the one thing that people get worried about with bananas are the um is the potassium yeah so they say oh is that would that be too much potassium that's what
1: i was thinking and yeah.
2: and um i've done um banana island four times um 30 days and uh, each time and um speaking from that personal experience i've I felt better eating only bananas having a, a simple um simpler diet than I did eating a variety of fruits. Um and the reason that at least I was told that was was because having only one thing makes it easy for the body to digest rather sure. than breaking down um all these different foods and separate and uh separating them.
1: Yeah, I I can get that. If if you if your input is literally one thing then, then your body is kind of like, Oh yeah, we know exactly what we're doing with this. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it is perfectly feasible, by all accounts. To yep. is is it something you can sustain? Say for like, if if someone and I mean I don't know how many people are gonna gonna attempt this um, or, or even sort of dip a toe into the fruitarian lifestyle. Um, but if somebody wanted to do, if someone wanted to live a, a full calendar year on Banana Island, is that doable?
0: It's
2: something that I plan to do that I never did. Mm-hmm. And if I was, if I was still with I probably would have done it by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, w- I want to say yes. Um, but, uh, I don't think there's ever been a, a study on, can someone survive on a bananas alone for a year? It'd be, you know, fascinating study. I'd mm. love to, love to know. I'd love to be, you know, the, the, uh, the test subject. A guinea there. pig. Yeah. <laughs> the guinea pig. Um, but, uh you know, reality is what it is until it isn't. And, you know, I wouldn't ne- I would never expect um most people to become fruitarians, let alone mm-hmm. um, you know, eat a mono fruit for a month, let alone a year.
0: Yeah.
2: Um but uh um but uh when I when I was a when when I was a fruitarian, when I was part of that part of that lifestyle, um, you know, I was I like I think a lot of fruitarians who found themselves in such a small minority it, people we were um agenda driven almost and so like we uh and you can you can go back and um look at my my oldest uh youtube videos and you'd see and pretty clearly like i don't agree with my messaging at all uh today but mm-hmm. you know back then i was very um at least on youtube um very uh well we talked about it at the beginning of this podcast um mm-hmm. you know like uh the measuring stick and that sort of thing cool. like. Um, me and other, um, many other vegetarians that I know or knew, um, we, uh, we pushed it as almost like an ideology that had to be followed mm-hmm. almost, um, existentially. And, and, uh, we, uh, we acted as if one day everyone would be vegetarians or raw vegans. And, yeah. um, I think the only way you can really, um, Go hard on a on something for your whole life is to uh, see things with that sort of ideological um, bent.
1: You mentioned your YouTube before we go. I kind of wanted to give that a plug because I know at the minute you are going as you are going through the renovation of Ziggy. You're kind of doing documentation of it, which I've enjoyed a great deal. Seeing inside of Ziggy, seeing what you've got planned, um, and. I just wanted to say that that is available. If you guys listening have in, enjoyed this, which no doubt you have, you want to see the inside of Ziggy and how Tanner is getting on with his progress. Where can people go for that?
2: Uh, the YouTube channel is called Tanner Banana and Banana is spelled B-A-N-A-N-N-E-R.
1: And uh, yeah, hit me up. You definitely should. You should definitely go take a look. It's it's a fascinating project, one that has, has interested me since I first saw it pop up on on my Facebook timeline. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting Thank with you, me, man. This is this has been very insightful, and very fun, and, and has just really sort of satisfied many curiosities I've had, as I say, since seeing uh, the announcement of your project. i really enjoyed
2: chatting with you as well, now. <laughs>
1: Ayo, that was my chat with Tanner Banana and yeah, talking about his amazing project about turning a converted school bus named Ziggy Starbus into a home and all the challenges, all the insight, all the things the trials, the tribulations, all the joy, all the possibility that comes with such a project yeah, I, I gotta admit, there's, there's been times in my life when I've considered going full Alexander Supertramp but then I realised just how comfortable I am with my surroundings and situation um, yeah I couldn't do it now obviously but yeah, at a point the the idea was very appealing um, so yeah absolutely um, kudos to Tanner for taking on such a thing and for, for making such a such a change in his life not easy by no stretch of the imagination but I imagine there's going to be a lot of fulfilment for him along the way At some point in the future, I have no doubt that Tanner will be back on the show. I would love to have him back to not only just get an update on Ziggy and how everything's going, but also just pick his brains over certain other subjects as well. There's a lot of stuff that I'd like to talk to Tanner about at some point in the future, so that just leaves room and an open door for him to come back at some point. That pretty much does it for this week. That is a wrap for this episode. Next week, we are going to be talking about all things Paul Thomas Anderson because it is PTA's birthday. And we should celebrate. We should celebrate him regardless of his birthday. But I'm going to be doing a top five PTA films countdown. I've also got Dan from last week's episode to give me his top five PTA films. So yeah, next week is going to be all Paul Thomas Anderson. So if you're a fan of his work, make sure to check it out. If you're not and you're thinking, my God, there's so much film stuff on this show, then yeah, there has been admittedly. But we are going to be moving away from that. I'm not going to be talking about anything film-related for a little while after next week. So, yeah, if you are kind of on the fence about what's happening here with the show and you're wondering when are we going to move on from film, it's going to be the the week after, I promise you. I promise you we are going to have a slew of episodes that have nothing to do with film. But next week, it is it's going to be all about PTA. So, if, again, if you're a fan, make sure to check it out and celebrate the man, his work, and his birthday with us here out. Before we go, if you have subscribed to the show, um, then first and foremost, thank you so much. You really are the cat's nightcap, and your support is making a huge difference. I genuinely appreciate it, whether you have subbed or you haven't. Um, but if you haven't, now's the time to go fix that. It's real easy, and here's the kicker. It's doing yourself a favor. So if you think you're going to continue listening, go subscribe, and that way it just drops straight into your device. Easy. Flipping peasy, if you want to go the extra mile and help us out even further, you can leave a rating and a review, that is just, yeah, you do that, you get a gold star and you get to wear like a tinfoil hat, that is a crown, Cause yeah, no, not an actual, no, scrap that, we'll just, we'll make you a paper crown, yeah, we'll we'll get you a paper crown for that, just, yeah, no no one needs to be wearing any more tinfoil hats, there's enough of that already. If you want to take a sensible deep dive into the stuff that me and Tana have been talking about, if you want to learn more about the topics that have been discussed on this episode, you can do so by heading out, heading out, heading over to Dimed. (laughs) Dimed. I'm not even going to cut that. You can head on over to the website, which is dimed-out.com and look for the show notes for this episode and you will see links. You will see portals. You will see doorways into magical realms of understanding also known as web pages and videos and stuff like that. If you want to get in touch with me, then you can do that via the website as well. And yeah, let's try and get it right this time. DIMED-OUT.COM is the place to go to. God, I really wish just the domain with both words together was available, but it's not, so I've had to make this modified version, which is almost impossible to deliver. Anyway. Um, yeah, If you want to get in touch with me about the show, you want to say hey, what's up, if you want to leave suggestions, comments, uh, recommendations for topics to cover in further episodes, whatever it is, you can do so at dimed-out.com or you can do so via the Facebook group or you can get in touch with me on Twitter at I am Mal Foster. Before my voice goes full-time Tom Waits, which admittedly I actually wouldn't have a problem with, but before that happens, and so you can go along with the rest of your day and your life, uh, that is it for this episode. I do sincerely hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch, please do so. And uh, yeah, look after yourself, guys. Look after those around you. And until next time, keep it dimed out.